Today we are in chapter 4, verses 10 through 18 in the book of Colossians. So the definition of the word friends is a personal attached, a person attached to another by feelings of affection or personal regard, a person who gives assistance. So let me hear one words that a one word description of friends from you. What what does friends mean to you? This is the class participation portion. Loyal. Loyal. What's that? Comfort. Reliable, honest, companion, good listener. I thought you said good looking. I was like, how you doing, friend? Anybody else? What was that? Family? Sharing? Supportive? Yeah, all those things and a lot more. Uh, it, sometimes a good friend is almost hard to put words to, right? And so today, as we're closing out Colossians, Paul is writing uh, the, the closing of this letter. And in this, he talks about his friends. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit. Let's begin in verse 10. My fellow prisoner, Ar- uh, Articus, sends his greeting, and as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, Jesus, who is called Ustus, also sends greetings. That's actually pronounced Yeshua, but anyway. uh, These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and Nympha at the church in her house. And so we see a band of brothers in the faith, right? Uh, Paul is naming off these two, and I always giggle there when he, he, he says, I bear testimony to his work. I, I don't know, maybe he just needed a reassurance. Now, when I was a younger man, a much younger man, I was lazy. I know, I know, it's hard to believe. Uh, my dad used to say, if you worked as hard getting out of work or doing what you do halfway, you would accomplish more. Um, but... Uh, I always giggle with that. But anyway, so Paul is writing and closing out this letter to the church at Colossians. And it will be read by other people, obviously. And he's listing these friends and their ministries. Now, we can have friends. And if you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus had the crowd. Jesus had the 12, and then inside the 12, he had the three. Now, as a sanguine personality, I like to be, I desire to be friends with everyone. If I meet you and we have a conversation, I consider you a friend. Now, that begins to close in because I can't go to dinner with 350 people. But as Jesus worked his way inward, that intimacy, that friendship becomes different. It's not better or worse. It's just different. And so as it works its way in, I used to think that if I had like 15 best friends, well, here's the truth. I'm not a good enough man to be best friends with 15 men. And uh, now, 
No, I'm not going to say that. Uh, sorry, that bounced off my head. Thank you. I'm not going to say it. Uh, but I've come to realize that if I have a, a small circle of best friends, that's a good thing. That's a rich man because our world today, you know, I don't know what your friend's connection is on your Facebook. Mine's north of 1,700, and that's cool. Okay, whatever. But I'm going to tell you what, those 1,700 people, not all of them, are going to answer the bell. Yesterday, I put out a call for help, and you know what? A friend answered the call and, and, and gave me assistance. And so the band of brothers in the faith, and one of the things that I hope that we see in this is that as people of faith, our family of faith should be brothers in, in, in the faith, should be people we can trust and rely upon. But the challenge that we face is this, is that the world has an idea and then even when we're born again and we come into the family of faith, we come into the church, we're still human beings. And we wrestle with some of the very same things, and we're going to see that today. So, you know, think in your mind, how many ride or die friends that you have? Now, that's not the person who calls you like twice a year. Uh, I'm talking about the ride or die. I mean, these people are in, they're always in, and, you know, they might help you bury the body. You know, think about it. How many of those do you have that just, they're just the ride and die friend. They're just always there. They're, they're just that person. Now, the challenge that we face is sometimes that person or persons can change. Sometimes that ride or die friend, you know what? They may make it to heaven before we do. Or that ride or die friend may, life may interrupt and, and you know, so it can shuffle but I hope that you have a few of those. Now, let me ask you this. Are you that for someone else? See, today, when they define friendship, it's defined by what I want more than what I give. Listen, you will be reflected in what you're willing to give. If you're not a good friend, guess what? That's probably what you're going to get. So we have to be very careful about our friendships. So let's look at a few of these individuals. We, we see uh, Articus. Now, Articus is a ride-or-die friend with Paul. Articus is a Jewish brother who, uh, who buys into the ministry of the gospel, who buys into the ministry of Paul, and goes along with him. And we're going to look at three events that prove this to be true. In Acts chapter 19, Paul and Articus are ministering together, and they are in an a area where the goddess Artemides is worshipped. Now, Artemides is, by tradition, the daughter of Zeus and Leto and the twin sister of Apollo. So this was a Roman god, and people were worshiping this Roman goddess. And as Jesus is being proclaimed by Paul, uh, there's only one god, and guess what? She's not it. And, and guess what? Think, people kind of get upset about that. It's amazing how people get upset when they're told that there's just one god. And not only is she not it, you're not it, and I'm not it. And so let's look and see what happens here. In Acts, the 19th chapter, it says this, About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. 
a silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemides brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the worker, uh, the workers in related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. Oh, watch out. Don't you let the gospel get to touching your money. People get upset when you start touching bank accounts. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray numbers, large numbers of people here in Ephesus, and in particularly the whole providence of Asia. He's not only effective here, man, this guy's messing up the whole area code. He says that gods made by human hands are not gods at all. There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemides will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the providence of Asia. Now, did you notice he didn't say that I worship? Words matter. This cat didn't say the, the goddess that I worship who is worshipped throughout the providence of Asia and in the whole world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. Oh, it's not about me. It's about her. No, it's about him. And what happens is they riot. And they can't find Paul. So guess who gets snatched up? Paul's buddies. And they have got bad intentions. But later on in the day, the Lord intervenes and things calm down and they get released. But I'm going to tell you this, a ride or died buddy just might get picked up for you or with you. And then Paul is being transported to Rome to stand trial and he goes with Paul. And in the 27th chapter of Acts, you see where Paul and, uh, and his friends are traveling from Israel to Rome and things don't go so well. In fact, there's a great storm that ends in a and in, in being stranded on an island for months. And Paul tells everyone on the boat, he says, listen, don't get off the boat. Don't worry. God's told me everyone's going to be safe. And then man start trying to do their own thing and says, hey, listen, if you get off the boat, what God says won't cover you. Your insurance only covers you if you stay inside what? The network. And they guess what? God does exactly what he said he would do. He saved them. And so now this man has been snatched up in a riot. This man has been shipwrecked with Paul. And then we see in this verse, Colossians, he's called a residing prisoner. So he travels with Paul to Rome. Now he is not legally bound to stay in Rome. He is there because Paul is there. This is a ride or die. Listen, I love you. But if you get tossed in the clink, I'll come see you. I'll come pray with you. But if you go, hey, can you come in here and spend the night? Don't think so, partner. The one thing I love about going into the county jail is that I'm walking back out. But this man stays through riots, he stays through a shipwreck, and he stays in jail with Paul for the sake of the gospel. Now, friends, that's a ride or die. Tradition tells us that not only was he faithful to Paul, but he was faithful to the faith to the point that he earned a martyr's crown. 
under the persecution of Nero. And then Paul mentions a cat named John Mark. Now, John Mark, you know him as Mark, and he's the author of the Gospel of Mark. Now, John Mark's mother, he got raised up in church. How do you know? Because John's Mark, John Mark's mother had a small group in their church. So when did John Mark go to church? Every day. That's funny right there. You think about that while I get a drink. I've been waiting all week. It's not as funny as my, being, my drug problem, but it's okay. It worked. <clears throat> now, we, we, we see here John Mark was a young man, a young man of the faith, and he went on a mission trip with Paul uh, and, and Barnabas, and <laughs> things got hard. So did anyone have a little bit of a hard week? My bride and I had a little bit of a hard week. Just, you know, little, yeah. Uh, you know, life can get hard, right? Well, as it were, the ministry wasn't going quite as he expected. Maybe the accommodations weren't quite as nice. You know, they didn't have Wi-Fi. And, uh, you know, for morning, all they had was eggs and these, this meat for breakfast. So, for some reason, John Mark says, I'm out of here. And he chunked deuces and left. Because things were tough. I like... I like what the fastest man on earth once said. He said, I trained four years to run for nine seconds, and people give up when they don't see results in two months. My friends, let me tell you this. Results in faith come over time, not overnight. It's just the way it works. And so John Mark, for whatever the reasons were, decided this wasn't for him, and he punched out and left. He abandoned Paul and Barnabas during a dry season of the ministry. And this, this abandonment is recorded in Luke's gospel. Now, this caused a little bit of a problem. Paul decided he wanted to wash his hands of John Mark. Have you ever had a friend that you thought, yeah. I hope no one's ever thought that about you, but odds might be. But Paul has decided, listen, this guy is untrustworthy, he's weak or whatever, and he says, I'm done with him. And so Paul and Barnabas come to a, a bit of a conflict. Paul says, listen, I'm done with him, and he picks another teammate. He picks up a guy named Silas. Well, Barnabas, whose moniker is the son of encouragement, reaches out, loves on John Mark, and reinstates him. Hey, listen, little buddy, it's okay. Now, listen, not everyone has that ability. But I want you to know this, that even when we stumble and fall, there should be an opportunity to get back in the game. And, Je and Jeff mentioned that this morning. Listen, with the Lord, there's always an opportunity to get back in the game. And we should be very careful that we don't wash our hands. The world out there says that only Christians shoot the wounded. And, you know, if, if we're not careful, it's kind of true. And so Barnabas reaches out to John Mark, and he loves on him, and, and he reinstates him, and he takes him on mission with him again. Now, one of the things you need to understand is that even in this disagreement, and Jeff mentioned this in Sunday school, and if you're not in Sunday school, guess what? You should be. But Jeff mentioned this. Listen, 
Things don't always go the way that we think they're going to go. Things don't always work out the way we think they're going to work out. We're not always going to agree lockstep on everything. Remember I mentioned the Cowboys earlier? Anyway, we're not going to agree on everything, but here's the thing. Is God's will will always be fulfilled. Amen? God doesn't need Jimmy Vaughn, but he invites Jimmy Vaughn. And despite of the disagreement, the personalities and things here, strong personalities, what is the end result? Well, you had two men doing the work of the gospel. They had a disagreement. Actually, it was three. They had a disagreement. Guess what? Now the team's doubled. Now you have two teams instead of one team. Why? Because that's just the way God works. I can tell you, I can give you a specific moment in time where myself and a co-laborer in the faith were not seeing eye to eye. In fact, no, we were not seeing eye to eye. And you know what? Hindsight says, thank God. Because God was doing something in and through my life, even through that disagreement, that freed me up to be your pastor. Listen, God's got a plan. And just because it's not going the way we think it should go or the way we want it to go doesn't mean that God's not got a plan. We just need to get back to the center of God's will as fast as we can. In fact, John Mark, uh, in the end, was reconciled to Paul. Faith family may not always see eye to eye, but with the Lord's help and our desire, people can have, don't have to remain estranged. Listen, you remember that person I just mentioned that we didn't see eye to eye? Let me tell you this. I was ready to meet them in the parking lot. <laughs> not to share cookies and milk but to catch these hands. <laughs> and you know what? I had to work through that. Why? Because God had a plan. And that individual and I are reconciled. Now, do we go on vacation together? No. But I would love them. I would serve them. I would pick up the phone for them. Why? Because God doesn't want his children living in that state. In fact, like I said, God worked Incredible things through that time of disagreement. If we have estrangements with our faith family, let's ask God to help us see what we can do about that. In fact, in 2 Timothy, uh, it says this, Luke alone is with me. Get John Mark, that same Mark, and bring him with you. Why? For he is very useful for me and for ministry. This guy that Paul says, no, I'm washing my hands of him. In time, by the power of the Lord and the choice of his people, bring him to me. Why? Because he's very useful. Wow. So let's go on very quick. So here we see Yeshua Ustas. Now, this is the only time in the entire Bible that this gentleman is mentioned. He's a Jewish believer who lives in Rome and he remains faithful to Paul when others seem to maybe have distanced. Now, if you recall, in Rome, the heat got turned up on the church. And it's a real easy thing 
to be kind of self, self-preserving. But this gentleman had no problems, at least Paul mentions him, to stay engaged and with Paul and around Paul in the risk of what could happen with Paul. Do you remember what happened with the other guy? Listen, if you're hanging out in the prison with a prisoner, bad stuff can happen. But this man mentioned one time in the Bible, and how was he mentioned? Faithful. Listen, if I even get a mention, that's the one I want. And then we see Luke. Well, this is the Gentile author of the the Gospel of Luke and and the uh, Acts. He was a physician. He was a close friend and servant to Paul. Now, here's the thing about Paul is we know that Paul had a thorn in the flesh, he said. There's a debate about what that was. But God is able to do miraculous things, but sometimes God does things through human things. Sometimes I get folks and they ask me, well, should I, should I trust modern medicine? <clears throat> should I go see doctors? The answer is yes, you should. Why? Because they're a gift from God. God can do anything he wants all at once supernaturally, or he can do supernatural things through a process. Paul was a physician and he was a friend of, I'm sorry, Luke was a physician and a friend of Paul and was an important part of Paul's health, uh, both physically and spiritually, and and it was important to his ministry. And then we see this man who prayed, Epaphras, a member of the church at Colossae. You remember him? Listen, I testify that this guy's doing work, right? And so it's interesting he mentions him. And he says that he wrestles in prayer for who? For the church of Colossae, for Paul. I don't know about you, but sometimes prayer is like wrestling. Amen? Have you ever not really known for sure what you should pray? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever wrestled with the idea of, should I even bother the Lord with this? Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever wrestle with... Um, like actually praying, having that conversation with some consistency or persistency. Listen, prayer is a beautiful thing, but sometimes it's a hard thing. And it says that he wrestled in prayer. And we wrestle in prayer, don't we? He said he stood firm in the will of God. What does that mean? It means this, is that he stood firm in the fact that God is sovereign. What does that mean? God is sovereign over us. When I don't know, God knows. And guess what? If I don't like, God is still sovereign. If I don't understand, God is still sovereign. Part of the challenge we face as humans is when we pray... What we want and what God wants aren't the same thing. And then we have to decide, is he sovereign and will I rest in that? Or start filling in the blanks. How many people have you spoken to in your life and they go, oh, I used to go to church or I used to be a Christian or whatever. And if you listen long enough, it gets down to somewhere in their life, their want and the outcome of life didn't go the same way. My friends, here's the truth, is that happens to every single one of us. But the question we have to ask ourselves, is God sovereign? Is God good all the time? 
is God good to me? God has been very, very good to me. And it doesn't matter. If God didn't do one more thing, he's done exceedingly and abundantly more. But he had a confidence in the sovereignty of God. God knows yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I may not understand or agree with or even appreciate how I get from today till tomorrow. But by faith and through grace and by choice, say by choice, by choice, I'm going to lean into his sovereignty. I don't eat sardines anymore. Why? By choice. I used to like them because my birth daddy liked them. Now, mm -mm. why? Because I can make a choice. And brothers and sisters, there will be a day in your life. If you haven't been there yet, you're headed there. That the circumstances of life will put you on the horns of the choice of God's sovereignty or not. He was mature and fully assured. I'm more mature than I was, and I'm fully assured. What does that mean? That's not being pie in the sky. You know, that's not being a denier. That's not being, you know, weak and walking around on a crutch. Listen, the same God that spoke into the existence everything I know is the same God that gave Jesus Christ, who's the same God that gave his word, and he's the same God that gave me his word that he loves me. And I'm fully assured of that. Why? Not because I deserve it. Not because I always feel like it. And most assuredly, not because I always win. Because God has proven himself trustworthy. And when I don't feel it, what? I choose. I choose. I choose. And then we go on and we see a man by the name of Demas. He's mentioned three times in Paul's letters. And say with me this, words matter. Words matter. In Philemon, verse 24, we see him mentioned this way. Mark, Articus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Words matter. Here, he is referred to only by name. There's no special moniker. He's just mentioned by name. Words matter. One of the things that is hard is not everyone who begins the journey with us will be with us the entire journey. You know, I think of my dear brother over there over at Criswell College. I looked really smart in that picture hanging on that wall, didn't I? So young, so vibrant, so ignorant. One of these days, I'm going to come over there with you, and we're going to look at that photograph of all those people who sat in all those rooms for all those classes and all those discussions. And the number of people in that photograph who are still in the fight and on the journey. I can name two. 
And on the day that photograph was snapped, you know what the attitude was? Forever and ever, amen. One of the hardest things for me is wrestling with the fact that not everyone who starts the journey ends the journey. Like I mentioned earlier, some of them step into heaven before you do. I've been missing Buddy terrible this week. He's not finishing the journey with him. Why? He finished his. And then those others. Paul states that Demas has abandoned him because Demas loves the things of this life in 2 Timothy. He was intimate. He was hanging around. And now guess what? No one in that photograph hanging on that wall at Criswell College would have thought one day that no one. It's not an overnight decision. It's a slow fade. Second Timothy says, as for Demas, because he loved this world, he deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas' slow fade would lead him away from the people, the places, and the practices of faith. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some do. Is it important to be in church? Yeah, it is. But you see, it's funny because I say that and, and inevitably there's somebody that goes, well, uh, you know, listen, look, look, pa- all pastors want is, the, the only reason they want you there is so they can brag about how many people. <clears throat> and listen, there are people, I, I mean, but it's not this guy. Listen, there's the people of faith. When the slow fade starts, you'll stop hanging around with the people of faith as often as you used to. You know why? They just might ask you something you don't want to be asked. They might just ask you something that you don't want them to know. You may look different. And so when we begin to slow fade, we begin to distance ourselves from the people of faith and then we begin to distance ourselves from the places of faith and we distance ourselves from the practices of faith. Let me ask you this. You tell me one relationship in your world that will last for any reason, for any length of time and with any value if you never talk to them. The practice of faith in prayer. The practice of faith in serving. Last night, my bride needed her earbuds because she was going to watch a YouTube video while I was watching football. And she knows you better turn that stuff on. She was seated over there. I was seated right here. And she looks, well, her, her AirPods are over here. And she starts to get up over her. I said, babe, what do you need? She goes, well, I was going to get my AirPods. I said, I got you. And I, I, I leaned over and I got him. I said, believe it or not, I, I enjoy serving you. And she goes, well, I don't like to ask. Now, isn't that the circle? The, the, the less you ask, the more I want to do. But how long and how good is it when my bride goes, hey, can you hand me those AirPods? I don't think so, sis. 
No. Listen, when the slow fade begins, you'll know it because you won't be around the people of faith. You won't want to assemble in the places of faith, and you won't be doing the practices of faith. And you will make excuses out of other people, other places, and other practices. Demas didn't fall from the team overnight. And let me say this to you with three fingers pointing back at me. If you think you can't fade and fall from the team, my friends, you've already started the journey. Look around this room. Look around your life and look at the people who aren't here. How did they get to be not here? It's a slow fade. And it always starts from the inside out. It always starts from the inside out. Now, we'll make excuses for the outside in. Well, that church, it's just full of hypocrites. Well, come on, you'll fit right in. Oh, preachers, all they want is the money. I guess I don't want enough of it. Listen to me. I can give you a list of the people that I absolutely believed would finish the race. And you'll hear me say, and you're about to hear me say again, the one thing I want more than anything in this world is to finish the race. Because if I fail to finish the race, if I fail and become like Demas, the casualty list only begins with me. It doesn't end with me. My friends, you must defend your faith first and foremost from yourselves. The more you miss church, the less you'll miss church. The devil will get in your ear and say, you missed church a week or two weeks. Listen, stuff happens, man. I tell people all the time, when I tell you I missed you at church, guess what? I'm not asking for you to give me a note from your doctor. I'm telling you, I missed you. It's not the same when you're not here. In a few weeks, you'll get to know what that looks like. Why? I'm not going to be here. Will it be good? I believe it will be. Will it be the same? No. But this is why I know the more that you miss church, the less you'll miss it because the devil will start whispering in the air. They go, man, you haven't been to church in a couple weeks. Now, you know those people up there are talking bad about you. Oh, there's Jimmy on aisle three, not at Walmart, but I'm going to dip and go somewhere else. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I, uh, hey, Jimmy. Well, hey, I miss you. Well, you know, no, no, no. I, listen, I don't need the laundry list. Listen, if you got something I need to pray about, that's cool. But I, listen, I just miss you. That's all. I miss you. It's a slow fade. And the more you miss it, the less you'll miss it. And one day, guess what? Unlike Mark, we have no record of Demas ever being restored. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what did happen. All I'm, I'm just giving you the evidence, ladies and gentlemen. We have no evidence anywhere 
that Demas was ever restored. John Mark fell, restoration. Demas, slow fade, fall. Paul speaks of those who love the Lord, that there is laid up for them a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to all who have loved his appearing. But John gives us a very clear distinction of warning. Let's look. First John says this, do not love the world for the things of the or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, what? The love of the Father is not in them. The more you grow to love the Lord, guess what? It just creates less and less space for you to love the world. And the more that you love him, the more you, the less you'll love other things. And Paul gives us a clear warning. Listen, to be in the world and to be of the world, two different things. The uncertainty of your own or someone else's spiritual condition is a terrible place to be. Countless are the conversations I've had in some of the worst events in life and the uncertainty of where they're spending their eternity is the question. The one thing I was going to do when I, when I became a father was that my children would know, would know, would know that their father was going to heaven. Do you know why? Because my birth parents both died at 30 and I do not know. I have a hope. But can I tell you this? Man, a hope's not as reassuring as a certainty. I wanted my children to know that I knew because I believed I was going to die before they graduated high school anyway. I prayed, God, just let me see them graduate high school. And then when Trey graduated high school, I had to change my prayers. But even if I had died before they cleared high school, my children would know the greatest gift you can give anyone in this world is the certainty of your spiritual state. Listen, don't sit there and go, well, they know. Tell them. Show them. Lead them. Because when the darkness of death overcomes them, my friends, they will need an assurance that is brighter than the darkness and a hope so just won't cut it. Yes. And you may be sitting there and you're like, well, Jimmy, what, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked that because you're so smart. Assurance through proclamation, thus says the Lord. Jimmy Vaughn is not worthy of heaven, but thus says the Lord. The man on the middle says, I can come. Proclamation, witnessing. Jeff mentioned this morning, Jeff, I'm going to need a donut or something because I'm, I'm really, I'm plugging you hard. <laughs> witnessing is this, telling your story. You're an expert on it. Listen, they can argue everything they want to. They can't argue your story. You're the only expert on it. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And then the practice of it. See, here's the, here's the, 
is a lot of people want to proclaim, and they do. A lot of people want to witness, and they might. But the practice, you see, the tongue of their mouth and the tongue of their shoe just doesn't match. And what we do speaks louder than what we say. My heart hurts for Demas. I have a hope that things are different than they might have been. And I think of the people in my life And then it always comes back to me. Jimmy, what does your mouth say? What does your life say? Are you committed to breaking the tape and finishing the race? My friends, I want that more than anything. I'd rather go to heaven today than to fail tomorrow. And I hope that's what you want because my friends, that's what Paul wanted. As quickly, ooh, yeah, real quick. <clears throat> After this letter had been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of, Laod, uh, of Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Acrippus, see that you uh, complete the ministry you have received from the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains and grace be with you. Paul's closing remarks, share the word. Share the word. In proclamation and in witnessing, share the word. Second, stay the course. Stay the course. Finish the race. And then lastly, share in my incarceration by remembering me in thoughts, in your hearts, and in your prayers. Remember me. Grace be with you. What a wonderful closing statement. <clears throat> and that is not that grace goes somewhere else and it comes back to you. It's this. Remember grace. Rest in grace. And offer grace. If it weren't for the storms, we would enjoy the calm water. But even in the storms, there's grace. Paul says, share the word, finish the race, and abide in grace. And that's what he says to us today. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this day. Father, I just thank you for your grace. Lord, in hindsight, there was just so much that I had no clue. <clears throat> and Lord, you know, we don't start this journey thinking that some 35, 36 years later, here we would be. Lord, we start the race with passion. And Lord, you call us to just live the race one day at a time. One day turns into three days and three days turn into a week and a week turns into a month and a month turns into a year and then boom, here we are. 
Father, I pray for our faith family. I pray that Paul's words would be an encouragement to us, Lord. Lord, that our hearts would be driven to loving you and finishing the race. Lord, for not everyone gets that privilege. Father, we we take for granted so many things. But Lord, when we start realizing that life is precious, the privilege of growing old in body and faith is not something everyone gets. Father, not everyone. Not everyone finishes the race. God, help us to be honest with ourselves. Lord, that we too run the risk of a slow fade. Lord, that we never really arrive until we get home. Lord, that we must guard our minds and our hearts. Lord, not in a defensive posture, but in an offensive posture. Lord, we must be proactive in the proclamation of the word, in the witnessing of the word, in the practice of the word. Father, it must be more to us than anything else to finish the race. Not just for ourselves. Lord, we are the immediate benefactors. And Lord, for your glory. But Lord, also for those who contend alongside of us, for those who observe us. Lord, we don't do this alone. Father, we pray for those, both known and unknown, Lord, who may be off in the distant land. Father, we pray that you would bring them home. Father, we pray that this would be a safe place for them. Lord, regardless of where they've been, what they've done, or even how they got there, it doesn't matter. Lord, that they'd just come home. And Lord, that they could reunite with you and your church. Father, help us to live in grace. And Father, we thank you for those who finished the race and stand in glory today. Lord, we miss. But let their faithfulness and their love of us and our love of them spur us on to one day heaven for us too. Father, we just love you. We thank you for the privilege of being called yours and for the privilege of calling you ours. Bless this, your church, as we enter into our mission field. May the world see you in us. For it's in your name that we pray. And it's by your promises that we live. 
And it's by your power we are overcomers. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?